0: Welcome to the Evident Church podcast. It's our hope that through this message you'll gain a greater understanding of God's relationship with you and further your life's journey in faith. Hey. Good morning everyone. So well first, my name's GJ for those of you who haven't met uh, and if you haven't, if we haven't met, please come find me out in the lobby introduce yourself. I try to do as much as, that as I can. I'm a huge extrovert, so please come come find me. Uh, but I want to start this morning by asking you, have any of you ever been caught in the middle of a lie? In that, and there's always that, that, oh, crap moment. And you have that, this, this moment to either reveal the truth, come out clean, like, you know what? I'm, I'm so sorry. I was wrong we do that, though? (laughs) Like, often, it's always like, nope, uh, well, it's this, and this, and then one lie becomes two lies, and three lies, and four lies, and we're trying to disguise all of these lies to look like truth, when in fact, they're far from truth, and one of these instances for me happened when I was in fifth grade. Uh, I was in Miss McMaster's class, and I was, I'm not really a great test taker. One, I got self-diagnosed ADD, and two, uh, (laughs) Two, I just details the exact who's, what's, when's, where's. Like, I get big themes, big picture. That's that's how my mind works. And so, Mister McMaster brought out a test one day, and to me it was a pop quiz. Must have been on the, it probably was on the calendar. It probably was wasn't really a pop quiz. Uh, and then me and the kid next to me were just like, oh my gosh, what are we gonna do? And as he's passing out the test, we come up with this awesome plan that we're gonna help each other. And so, I help him with the answers I know. He helps me with the answers he knows. It's great. It's awesome. So we go on through our day, and we come inside from recess, and our teacher pulls us aside, and she's like, guys, I couldn't help but notice how similar your tests were. And she was being polite. They were the exact same. Uh, and she, she asks us, were you guys by chance cheating? And this was our moment. We came clean, and we said, we're so sorry it'll never happen again, right? No! It was... Uh, this exact same? That's a miracle, Miss McMaster. You have no idea. Like, that's just crazy. And so we kept telling lie after lie after lie. But in hindsight, it was, it was actually quite obvious that we were, in fact, cheating. For, for one fact, we both scored a 34% on the test. <laughs> Second fact is for the question, who discovered gravity? We both answered Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> I wish I could say that was not the one I helped on the test with. But, but often we get ourselves in trouble and blur the lines of what, what is truth and what is lie because we're asking the wrong question. We too often want to ask what is and what isn't a lie instead of what is and what isn't the truth. And I know those can seem like very similar questions, but they have two very different outcomes, when I focus on what is and isn't a truth or a lie versus what is and isn't a truth. So to help us better understand truth, I want to dive in to the ninth commandment with you guys. Um, But before we do that, will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you so much just just for who you are, God, for your love. And God, I thank you for your law. I thank you that you You desire to draw us closer to you, God. And so as as we open up your word, hear your truth, God, may you open up our eyes, open up our hearts to hear what you have for us this morning. And God, may we not hear me speaking, may we hear your spirit speaking through me. That's in your powerful name we pray, Jesus. Amen. So when we hear the ninth commandment, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, we often sum it up much shorter, and just say, don't lie. It's, it's a little bit easier. Uh, and, and by lie, there's, there's two definitions I want to point out this morning. Lying is one, saying what is untrue, and two, not saying all that is true, withholding some of that. In Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, we read, there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, and that's not like, hey, haughty, hey. That's like, <laughs> that's like haughty, like conceited, looking down upon people. A lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. And if we look at the heart of what this commandment really is saying, this commandment probably hits three, four of these things that the Lord hates. So we need to take this very seriously and examine our own hearts as we examine what is truth and what is a lie. And going through this series has been really good for me. I hope it's been for you too, just this this concept of going back to basics. Because sometimes I think we have a tendency to overcomplicate what Christianity is. And so this series to me has just been, nope, this is, this is what God calls us to do. And this is what draws us closer to God. Again, because these rules, these commandments aren't about the rules, about the law. It's about a relationship. And what we see through the Ten Commandments is that each of these commandments uh, and all the examples through these commandments are like the worst case scenario. So for murder, for like the Sixth Commandment, murder is obviously the worst way to break the Sixth Commandment but as we learned, it's not the only way we can break the sixth commandment. Hatred in our heart is guilty of the same punishment. A couple weeks ago, we talked about stealing, and stealing is the worst way to break the eighth commandment, but it's not the only way. It's lack of giving and having a generous heart. Adultery is in violating the seventh commandment, but it's not the only way, having lust in our own hearts. And so this morning, there are four nevers I want to pull out of this one commandment. And I I had a music theory teacher, he would tell me, never and always are big words. So take that. These are big words. So never first, obviously, bear false witness or give false testimony against someone Anyone who's seen an episode of Law and Order or any of those CSI whatever, understands the putting your right hand in the Bible, I, s- I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, right? So help me God. And we, we get that concept. That's a very biblical concept, that th- those words. Um, and this commandment at that time would have been interpreted in that mindset, in, in a trial don't bear false witness because what you're saying could condemn someone to death. And so it had, it had a ton of weight. And so that is the worst case scenario for breaking this law. Jesus himself was falsely accused by multiple wit- false witnesses that led him to the cross. And we as Christians are called not just in the court of law to not bear false witness, we are called in all circumstances. In all relationships, every day, to not bear false witness. The second never" is never twist someone's words, simply leaving out or emphasizing words or points that benefit us. And we understand this as kids, especially teenagers, teenagers in the room, don't take notes. Um, but like, "Mom, can I go do this?" And it's like, "Ah, go ask your dad." So then we go to Dad, "Hey, Dad." Mom said it was okay that I do this. Do you mind? Like, we kind of like just twist it a little bit. It's not necessarily that he does mind. It's just we, be, we, we twist it to benefit ourselves. Genesis 3, chapter 1 shows us exactly where that comes from, that de- desire to twist truth. And it comes from Satan himself. It says, The serpent, the devil, said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree? In the garden, from the beginning of time, Satan twisted words. Maybe one of the more prevalent cases in Matthew chapter four, when Jesus is led out into the desert to be tempted by Satan, and he fasts for forty days and prays for those forty days, and at the end of the forty day period, we read that Satan approaches him. And what's interesting to me is that Satan doesn't try to tempt Jesus with lies, with this, but he not with lies, but with deceit of the truth. Satan himself quotes scripture to Jesus because he's trying to trick the incarnate word. In John chapter one, in the beginning was the word, capital W, and the word was God, and the word was with God in the beginning. Satan knew in order to trip up the word, he had to use the word. And so he's like, hey, if you're really the son of God, jump off this temple, your angels will save you. He quotes scripture to Jesus from Psalm chapter 91. But Jesus knows to fight twisted truth, you need to use truth. And he also says, Jesus quotes, you should also not test the Lord your God. So Satan wants to twist something that's true and use it for a wrong motive. The third never is never gossip or slander, and this is one of those ones that just like you hear gossip, you're like, yeah, we know, we, like, we do it sometimes, it's, it's whatever, but it does a lot more damage than, than, than we think. Gossip simply is passing along a report or rumor that can't be substantiated or passing along a true report unnecessarily, and then slander Uh, takes gossip one step further and deliberately passes along false information. slander always seems to assume the worst in people. You get a text message from someone and you assume emotion, anger, whatever, and then you go to someone else and you're like, you see what this person said? They're just, and then you try to tear that person down as quickly as possible. That's what slander is. In Matthew 15, 19 through 20, for out of the heart come evil thoughts. murder, Adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander—these are what defile a person. Gossip is a little trickier, though, because not gossip is not always malicious. But unfortunately, it's easy to make intentional relational connection over secrets, over information. Maybe you've heard it said that secrets don't make friends, but friends make secrets, right? We need to fight to keep that circle of information as small as possible and make sure we're not crossing that line of gossip. And then there's three check questions that, that, that I have that when we're deciding, because sometimes we, we do need to approach people to get help. When someone needs help and it goes beyond our ability to help them, sometimes we do need to take information to other people and be like, I don't know what to do. But before we do that, I want to make sure that we're asking three questions. The first question is, is the third party someone who loves and wants the best for the other person? I think sometimes we just share with anyone and everyone who's willing to listen, just like, oh man, I've got something you don't know, and I want to tell it, like, I, I, I just want, I want to say it. The second question is Is the third party someone who will hold you accountable? Which is an important step. Because I think sometimes we tell someone who does know and love the person, that's, that's, that's an easier one to get by. The second one is Is this, is this person gonna hold you accountable? Are they gonna follow up with you, like, hey, you were looking to help this person? How'd you do? How, like, we, we talked about some things. Did, did you take those steps? Did you continue to move forward? And the third question is, is the third person someone who can keep their mouth shut? (laughs) Can you trust this person that they're not going to continue to spread this, that it stays there? And if not, or it's in question, maybe it's one of those, when in doubt, go without moments. If I ever feel like I'm in a situation where I'm I'm gossiping or I'm in a circle of gossiping, uh, sometimes... I'll get what I like to call a Holy Spirit check, where it's a hockey reference, where God just comes by and is like, "DJ, no," and poof. And so I have to like tell people that 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 like, "Hey guys, I'm sorry, I have to to stop. I'm I'm getting a Holy Spirit check real quick." And Ange didn't quite understand that at first. She was like, "What?" Uh, But I was like, "No, my heart. We just gotta gotta walk away from this." Again, gossip is tricky because it's not always malicious. The same way the game telephone works. Right? How often do you play the game Telephone, where the last phrase you say this, that is said is the same phrase as the first? Right? It changes. It shifts. Like never. And unless there, there, there's one person who's like really in there trying to mess up the game, and they say they wrong, those people. Uh, like this one is tricky because there, there's a weird power when you know something that someone else mentioned, and often. Like if you do know that and you're just like, "Oh, I want to tell someone." Like you'll always play the humble card. Like, "Oh, man, this person just really needs prayer." Ask me about it. And like, it just kind of like but do you want to like begin to tell people that way? Words do we use information to point people to Christ or to point to ourselves? Words information is never they're powerful. And rashly or without a hearing. Matthew 7, 1 reads, do not judge or you too will be judged. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't think rationally, that you cannot trust what needs to be said, what can't. Be smart. Uh, And firstly, with leadership, I feel, attain and accuse to conclusions unless unless it is brought by two or three witnesses. I think sometimes... We're all guilty of this. We've all been on a coffee break or something and talked around this, this. And then you either give a silent amen by your silence, like you're like, that's truth, that's the leader. Or you join in, you're like, oh my gosh, yeah, checking. And you begin to tear down the leadership without any checking, without seeing what's true, what's not true. And why that's so dangerous is when you attack leadership, you're, you're attacking the whole community. And you're beginning to tear that community from the inside out. There's a old story about a rabbi who was loved and well respected in his community, and a stranger decides to join their community and just doesn't get along well with the rabbi. You know, some some personalities they just don't they don't mix, and so he begins just telling people about his opinions and like starts spreading some lies, just, some, just discord within the community. And over the course of time, though, he begins to realize that he was wrong. He was like, oh, my gosh, this guy's actually really kind of really cool. I like this guy. Goes up to the rabbi, and he's like, hey, I'm just so sorry for everything I said, everything I did. I want to make it up to you. How, how, how do I make this right? And the rabbi kind of uh, thought for a second. He's like, well, well, what I want you to do is go home, grab your pillow, take it outside, rip it in half, let all the feathers out of the pillow. And the guy's like, all right, it's weird, but sure, I'll go do that. So he goes home, rips the pillow, feathers go flying, and he comes back the next day. He's like, all right, I did it. What, what, what do I need to do next to make this right? And he goes, go back home and collect all of the feathers, which is an impossible task, Right? In a world of post-first, think-later, I don't think we understand the weight words and opinions have, the irreversible consequences that they can have by by just an idea, an opinion. In Proverbs 18, 17, it says, In a lawsuit, the first to speak seems right until someone comes forward and cross-examines. Oftentimes, the first thing we hear is the thing we believe until a lot of research, and the tendency is if I hear a lie first, I'm going to believe that lie. And so is what we're saying truth, or is what we're saying lie? And are we doing our due diligence to making sure? So if this is what we're never supposed to do, what are we supposed to do? Because again, it's more than just don't lie. It's focus on truth. It's more than just what is and isn't a lie. It's what is and isn't truth. So we just went through four nevers and the one always is we are always called to be true witnesses and be sharers and witnesses of truth. Acts 1 chapter 8 reads you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Matthew twenty eight, nineteen through twenty, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. First Peter three fifteen, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give, the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and and respect I wonder for those of us who have been Christians for a long time over the course of the course of a relationship with God how many twisted truths we've let allowed Satan to I also wonder how many just lies we believe because we all believe that we're supposed to come come to church, be part of the body, read his truth and then most of us would say that, yeah, we're called to share his truth. But do we? I think, I think we believe some of these lies in our own head. Lies like, I'm not good enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm not smart enough. But at least you didn't think Abraham Lincoln discovered gravity. <laughs> or what about, I don't have the right education to speak to this person about Jesus or God doesn't work that way here. Again, I think we know this, but what keeps us from doing doing these things, doing his truth, being witnesses. And I think one of the one of the biggest things is we're unwilling to get off the fence. And what I mean by that is for salvation, imagine imagine a field and there's a fence right in the middle of that field. And on one side, you've got sin and evil and, sorry, this half of the room. Uh, And then on this side of the fence, you've got Jesus and life and truth and happiness. And we all start on this side of the fence. And as we begin to see truth and realize our need for a Lord and Savior, we then accept him as our Lord and Savior and step over that fence. And we begin the journey towards truth. But as we realize that the road Jesus, as he says, is narrow, and the road to destruction is wide. And as we continue down this path, this path gets hard. And the closer we get to light, the brighter it is, and the darker our darkness seems. And those, sometimes our hearts just don't want to be exposed. And so there's points when Jesus's light exposes a darkness, and we're like, time out. Jesus, I'm not, I'm not there yet. Give me Give me just a minute. I, I need to just take a quick time out. Let me, we're good, right? I'm still on this side of the fence. Everything's good. I don't, I don't need to grow for this season. So we get comfortable and we settle in and we begin looking back at the fence. And we begin wondering and asking ourselves, well, why, why do I have to stay right here? I'm still I'm still saved by grace, I'm still a Christian. I'm just going to be a little bit closer here because we, we begin defining the line of what is not isn't a lie. We want to nestle up right next to that fence line and be like, I'm still, I'm still here, but our focus is here. And if our focus is here, we aren't growing. In John chapter 8, there, there's an interesting story um, where it, it's, John chapter 8 is sandwiched between two stories of, of stonings. One is stoning, the attempted stoning of an adulterous woman, and the second is an attempted stoning of Jesus Himself. And Jesus is once again in this this conversation where the Pharisees are trying to trap him, and he goes on to say, Jesus to the Pharisees, he's like, "If Abraham was your father, if God was your father, like you're claiming he is, you would do as your father does, but you sit in lies." You sit in deceit. Even here, you're trying to trick me. So who does your heart belong to? Who is your actual father? Which is a harsh question. Like, is is God really your father or is Satan your father? In a weird first century Jerry Springer moment, like, God is not the father. Uh, A couple weeks ago, we talked about Three essential proofs of our salvation, of growth, that we're moving towards truth. The three being love, holiness, and sin killing. And Satan wants to twist truth and make each of these about comfort and keep our focus not on truth, but on the fence. He takes truths about love and twists it to be more about the love and grace we receive than the love and grace that I'm called to give. He takes truths about holiness and twists it to be more about the holiness of God and others than myself. And he takes truths about sin-killing and twists, twists those truths to be more about the sin and what grace allows me to get away with than the life I'm called to live. Satan wants to keep our focus here. And if we're asking the question, what is and what isn't sin what is and what isn't a lie, that's exactly where my focus is. My back is to God, and maybe I need to ask, where is my heart? As the band comes up, I want us to really examine that. Who truly has my heart? When when, when it comes to this commandment, is my focus on truth, or is my focus on a lie? How many blessings have I missed because I've believed a twisted truth of Satan and I've, my focus has been here instead of here. How many miracles have I missed because I'm not concerned enough about truth, I'm too concerned about how I look. If we're to follow this ninth commandment, we are to one, never bear false witness. Two, always Be a truth witness. And three, get off the fence and stay focused on truth. Satan's twisted truths can be dark and heavy. And you can feel trapped and unworthy of anything. And so sometimes we know that we need to focus on truth and we know we need to move closer to God and his light. But our own guilt, our own shame, the twisted lies of Satan keep us right here. You have freedom. Satan has no hold on you. You can claim that right now. Get rid of your guilt. Get rid of your shame and focus on truth. Do not believe the lies that Satan tells you. Never bear fault with witness. Always be a truth witness with God's help and God's help alone, get off the fence. Thanks for listening. We hope that you found this message personally meaningful. For more information on Evident Church, be sure to visit us online at evidentchurch.com.